Welcome to the OVNI interviews. We're your hosts, Eric Bork and Mikey Taylor. What up? We're the co-founders of OVNI, a brand for entrepreneurs. Real quick before we get started, um, we are getting more and more signups for our academy. People are now getting their first clients. Uh, check it out, avnidigital.com if you're interested in starting your own academy, uh, excuse me, your own agency. And let's get right in here. We are here with Blake Ricciardi, the founder of Popular Demand and the founder of coming very soon, Z Natural. Yes, Z Natural. Z Natural. Z Natural. Blake, thank you for being here with thank us. Thank you guys. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. All right, Blake. So let's start off by talking about you getting started as an entrepreneur. It began a long time ago when I was just out of high school, but last stop and starts. I, I, I started like an interactive PowerPoint presentation type company. Um, I'll tell the story very quickly, but I worked for professional sports teams. I worked for a, a minor league hockey team and I made this, I was always designing. I, I taught myself how to design at a really young age, uh, like Photoshop, Illustrator. And I designed these presentations for this hockey team to sell sponsorships. And it was really good. They loved huh. it. It was on a little laptop. How old were you at this point? I was uh, 19, 18. No college. 18. I did go to college. I quit a couple years in okay. um, to go work for another hockey team. But, it, but I developed this thing and it was cool. And they used it to sell sponsorships. So I was like, oh, this will be a business for me. So I made all these interactive CDs as a sales thing. And I remember putting them in envelopes and selling, sending them to all the teams that I wanted to use this and to hire me to build one for them. And I got no responses. I remember that. Dis I just remember getting nobody hit me back about it. And um, it was probably disappointing. I think I did it over like a summer break. It may have even been between like my 11th and 12th grade or something. But it was one of the first experiences that I ever had with, with being an entrepreneur. I guess it's not even an entrepreneur because you didn't sell anything. But that was one of the no, first sales, experiences. Dude. It was wild, man. It was just like, yep. a, it was such a, an interesting thing because it taught me something really early on, which was like, they, nobody cares. Like, they don't have to care. Just because I work so hard and I put so much effort into it and I, and I wrote the, the, the addresses and I put the all envelopes together myself, like, you should care about this. And nobody cares. They don't have to care. You have to create something that's compelling enough for them to care. So it was a real learning experience early on. And then from there, for the rest of my career, um, I went off and on from being an entrepreneur. And But I think there's a a little bit of a difference between being like a, a, a um, sole proprietor or being a, a more of a contractor where I did mm -hmm. work. I had, I had a, a branding and marketing agent or a creative agency, but that was really just me designing stuff. Wait, for so people. you had one, um, because early let's on, tell the audience, young. your brother we've interviewed before, Ben yeah. Richardi. Well, there's a very big difference between what I was doing at 21 <laughs> designing <laughs> for people saying, when though. I was designing a website for a modeling agency in Boston, Massachusetts. And if you can imagine a modeling agency, a new one in Boston, Massachusetts, not that uh, yeah. prominent a company. Um, but you I was both doing had that. You had a, you had one too. Very different though, because my because and, and and I've thought actually a lot about this since Ben and I now work in in the same office. We have an office together. Our skill sets are so different, and um, he goes out there and he makes things happen, and he's an incredible salesperson, and he's a great creative. 
But I, um, which I kind of look at now this far into my career as a gift and a curse, is I taught myself how to design very young. I think like a designer. I'll literally drive by billboards and I'll, I'll redesign it in my head. Like, why did they do this this way? Or, oh, that was incredible they did that. My brain works that way. And so Ben's is so different um, that it's, what I meant by a gift and a curse is, is because I have an ability to do certain things, I'm an all right writer, I'm a pretty good designer, it kept me from ever like giving those jobs to other people. We have somebody who's shooting me right now. He's a phenomenal videographer, photographer, and I have a great um, relationship with him because I understand what I'm looking for, but I don't understand lighting. I don't understand the camera, any of those things. And I think if I did, I probably never would have had a photographer that probably would have been ended up being better than me. Yeah. So it's been, it's an, it's interesting. And one of the things I really want to change about the future with my businesses, which is I want to get away from me being so hands-on yeah. and being able to manage, a, you know, a lot more. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's, it's not even like that I want to be but sometimes when I see stuff getting designed by other people, I'm just like, it's yeah, not. I gotta do it. I know what I want to do. Yeah. But I do way less than I used to. So my point was your question about entrepreneurship or being an entrepreneur. When I was much younger, anytime I went in and out of being an entrepreneur, it was really more being um, uh, working for myself, yeah. designing for other people. Yep. Um, but it was a company. But it was not in of employees or anything like that. Which is once you start getting employees, like it's a different game. Having you have rent at an office, or you have to make sure somebody's getting paid in front of you, and all that. it's a whole nother ball game. And that came much later on after I had worked for different companies, and when I moved out here to LA. So basically, you you as an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, it sounds like started basically doing your own thing. You were doing branding, which is what you're known for now is branding, which we'll get yeah. into. So how did that move into doing uh, popular demand? Was that around that well, time? Well, I had worked, um, I always liked fashion when I was younger. And um, I uh, things just happen in different ways. And so with this scenario, with my brother, uh, years and years ago, back in Boston, we developed a television show together. Um, and, oh, that's right. Yeah, and we did that collaboratively. I more ran it than him, and he was like the he was the face. He was the person on camera. It was a little bit more me. Actually, it was more me in terms of like the, the editing of it. I didn't edit it. I worked with with people who did that, shot it, and edited it, and um, looked great because I'm very particular about my visuals, and it looked amazing. Um, and we were because of the look, and this was right before YouTube. It was a couple years before YouTube. And we were in Boston. And there are different. There are certain times, and very rarely, where being in Boston could be a competitive advantage over LA. And this was one of the few times because when music artists would come to the city, um, they didn't have anywhere to do TV um, or very little. And we had a television show on the WB Boston, so I made it look good enough that when we would reach out to potential um, to record labels to get artists on. They're like, oh, well, this looks cool. Um, yeah, we'll send over, no doubt. And I'm just like, okay, because we got a couple early on, like some big names. So people are like, okay, the, we were at one o'clock in the morning on the WB Boston. Now, you after YouTube, you wouldn't. It, it's such a free for all. Yeah. Now. There's so much different stuff happening. Yeah. But this being before that, um, it gave us an opportunity to do that. So we had a show. We had no doubt, Blink 182. Um, Pharrell was on it. It was incredible. Um, we made no money, uh, but it was amazing. Um, and it was a real learning experience. And then um, we shot one of the episodes 
at a place called Karma Loop, which was yeah. okay. just starting to get bigger then. And we shot at their office. Um, I didn't know them at all. I just reached out to them. I thought they were doing cool things. We shot at their office and uh, the guy really liked the show and uh, came to me I don't know, at some point, the guy who ran it and owned it and said, hey, would you want to want to work for me? Um, I have this thing. I want to do drop shipping. I'm like, okay, yeah, what's it all about? And basically what it, he had a different idea than I came in with. And I knew he wanted to, bottom line is he wanted to do drop shipping. And, and drop shipping today, again, is something everybody knows what that's all about. Yeah. Back then, nobody understood drop shipping. It wasn't really part of uh, e-commerce like it is today. Um, and do, should I explain what drop shipping is? Explain it because there might be a- Sure, no, no, no. there's definitely certain people that don't know mm -hmm. what drop shipping is. And it's, um, it's, it's really straightforward. Um, you get a lot of stuff drop shipped from Amazon. Um, Amazon stores a lot, a lot of stuff in their warehouse, but they also at the same time, um, when you order something on Amazon, it may come from a third party that's drop shipped. Even though you ordered it in the same site, it may come in a different package or whatever, come directly from the manufacturer or the company that, that made this product. So what we did, is he had this site that, 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 had, that was doing millions of dollars, but that's millions of dollars in inventory. And he said, I got a lot of eyeballs, let's drop ship stuff. And he wanted it to be kind of a little bit more like, a, uh, like, an, like an eBay where people could put stuff up. And I was like, well, there's a lot of brands out there that don't have eyeballs. Why don't we go grab these little guys and have them do, a drop, do drop ships? So we developed this concept called Casva which uh, ended up doing millions of dollars in sales and brands that nobody had ever heard of. And I ran that whole division for myself, like myself. What was crazy about that opportunity is he said, oh, you can run this Casba thing and we'll build this whole back end and, and this whole thing. And I thought it'd take a month or two to build it out. He's like, I won't pay you, until, but you get a percentage of every sale once it gets going. I ended up working for six months for free, building this whole thing out, and it, but it killed. So I actually made pretty good money. It, at first, it was like a great deal for him. We got this guy working for free. And then it started killing, and I, I had worked out a good deal. I made pretty good money uh, at my age. And uh, I ended up having a falling out with him at one point. Ended up leaving the company. And when I did that, I had saved a bunch of money. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do in Boston. Like, there's really not a lot for me there. And I felt I kind of hit a wall uh, from an opportunity standpoint. And so I decided to come out to here in LA and uh, started a business which was also dropship driven, but the concept was a little different where we take sites that have really big um, visitors, not e-commerce sites. So uh, one of them's Hip Hop DX that's still around today. Millions of hip hop visitors going there. My concept uh, was we'll put a website, we'll put a store on your site and it'll all be dropship product. Didn't, I, didn't, I didn't have enough funding. I was spending my own money on it and uh, it went out of business I, for a few reasons. I think conceptually it may have worked, but the problem was they were going in there for news. They didn't really want to buy stuff. I sold some stuff, but my margin wasn't good enough. I needed to do a lot of volume to really get going. So uh, about two years in, I had lost a lot of money, um, all of mine money, and um, <laughs> every- All of it, actually? <laughs> pretty much all of it, yeah. It was pretty much gone. I had a. Dope office. I mean, it wasn't even, that wasn't why. I just had a great office. It was actually a really good deal. And there's nothing like having an amazing office and um, uh, having to pack up in the middle of the night of a U-Haul because you owe that much rent. And there's nothing, it's, it's pretty uh, uh, deflating. And uh, you're like, 
what the fuck do I do now? Yeah. And so at the time, I had dabbled a little bit in starting a clothing brand. Just I had had a little thing on the side because I had an ability to sell product through these stores that I had created. So I created a little hip hop brand on the side called One Two. And literally the name was because I was on a site called Dr. J's. So I was like, huh, there's a drop down on here. I'm gonna, one, two is a term in hip hop a lot in different ways, you know, the ones and the twos. So I was like, oh, I'll be first on the list. So I created that, but that wasn't really a brand. And so from there, um, I, was, I was broke. And so I was at home and, and trying to figure out what to do with, from a, from a life standpoint, I didn't want to move back to Boston. I was living with my brother at the time and uh, and I was like uh well I had this concept for popular demand and it was super simple I love the name I was incredibly fortunate to get the name from a trademark standpoint I I was like nobody has this I was baffled and so I got the name and and it was really a simple concept which was I want to live in LA I want to sell enough product to be able to stay here and uh, I'm gonna make something that's just super loud can't be ignored and and I don't know if it'll work. I don't know if people want to buy it, but at least it won't like be whatever. At least when somebody sees that, they'll be like, what is that? Like, and that was the whole thing. And I designed it. I used a bunch of animal prints at the time because I was like, I, I saw a little bit coming the trend, but not really. It was just more just like designed it. So you're broke. Yeah. Want to start a clothing smart. brand. Where did you Ish. get the money to? Well, I can design. So I designed a lot of shirts. I made an incredible like, blank template, which sounds weird, but like a t-shirt template that I designed off of a photo and all this stuff that looked like a, so I made my shirts look like real shirts. And you know, if you looked at it a lot, you could tell it was a template, but basically it looked like a real shirt. And I designed a line sheet of product and I started picking up the phone and calling stores. Like I didn't have product, I had no product. I'd have pro, I'd have a physical product. I started calling stores and send them line sheets. And I lower, I kept the price pretty low Early on, uh, I think it was like $10 wholesale. So, it would, but still it's $30 retail, yeah, but it's $10 yeah. wholesale. Yeah. Because I was like, I wanted them to look at it and be like, shit's cheap, fuck it, like I'll try it. Uh, and I still didn't really have a lot of confidence that people would want to buy it, but I started just calling stores and uh, sending L- a let's lot of fr- line Let's frame out. this up just And because- a line sheet is like, for people who may not know is like, a group of product. Yeah. It's yeah. a, it's your line. Yeah. Like your first line. I started with uh four, I think four, six T's. And I just started calling out. And of course, but see the thing is like, I can make things look really good. So I like designed like everything that was going to people made me look like a real life thing. Yeah. Like, so when they saw it, they're like, oh, have you heard of this popular demand thing? I'd be like, no, I'd be like, probably should have heard of it. Like it looks like, it looked like it was something. Yeah. Um, so people started buying the product. I was fortunate. Early on, they bought a fair amount. I'm not talking about like I wasn't rich, but they by any means. But enough that I was like, I. Do you I, remember I, what you did your first year? Not the first year, but I remember the first month of my. I remember at one point it was month two or three. I sold uh, like twenty thousand dollars in the month, Damn, and I nice. was like, I was like, oh shit! It was a, your brain goes. It's like different then. It's like, it's like. Oh, oh, okay. Something, something. I have something. It's something's here. Yep. And so then you're like, how do I not fuck this up? Yeah. Like, how do I make this into something? And I started to think about the things. Well, I had been in the industry for a while, so I seen brands come and go. Um, and I was really fortunate 
that I started to develop a friendship with uh, a few younger guys uh, that were 20, 21 at the time, going to the clubs, and they were wild. And they everybody knew them at the clubs just because they were three wild dudes. And they were just the one, the dudes everybody wanted to be, and they were broke living at home with their mom, but they were just so fun. And I was like, I'd go to the club with them, and I'd never gone to clubs in LA because like, if you're a dude, like, uh, and you just show up, you just not a fun, real experience. Yeah. It's not, there's a random guy showing up to a club in LA. That is not a fun experience. Right. But with them, they were club promoters. So I showed up with them and I was like, what is going on in here? This is interesting. This is, these guys are, everybody's paying attention to them. And I look around and I'd be like, oh, wow, that's really, Chris Brown's over there. Oh, okay. There's there's that, uh, the guy, the, the best running back in the league is sitting over there. I was like, this is an interesting place. So I was like, uh, I'll own this. And so I just started giving them product and I gave all these different promoters product. And I started, because I, I, I figured my theory, which was somehow correct, which is baffling to me, was like, I'm just gonna make these, I'm gonna literally put product on people in clubs these are club promoters. First, the group was like three of them worked for me, like as first ambassadors. So they weren't getting paid, but they were like part of my group. But then I'd give it to other club promoters who normally didn't get a lot of free things. And so what would happen is celebrities would walk into a club and they'd be like, what is this popular demand thing? I see it everywhere. They didn't really see it everywhere. They just saw it in this club everywhere. But I was able to own that with a little money I had and money coming in. And I just started to figure out, you find a pocket, you start to realize what your business and your brand is. And then you, you basically lean on that. You don't, you, you let it go in the direction it was going. Like I wasn't a club guy. I wasn't, but fuck it. If it's doing, I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to become the club guy. So there's pictures of me. There's video of me <laughs> on stages. There's video of me next to a DJ. I was smart. Like I get to know all the DJs. And then when the, and then the guys doing this, the, uh, the stage, and I just get to know all those people. And then all of a sudden, like when the club's popping, I show up and they think I'm a big deal. And I, for some reason, because they see everybody wearing my clothing brand and they let me up on stage and I'm standing right next to a DJ and I'm just hanging. And they're like, who is that dude? I'm loud as fuck. I, would make, I was all <laughs> plain, like it was all strategic. Like what I was doing with all that stuff. And, uh, and fortunately people started to buy the product and people started to ask about it. And um, it became a, a, a thing and, and it wasn't, so the grind portion of it, not that there's always a grind, but I meant the grind into, until I could actually feel it was a business was a little less with popular demand. Like that took off relatively quickly. It, um, when I was able to do 20,000 in like month two, I was like, this is something. And it, it only went up from there. Prior to that, the losing all of my money, um, that was the real like lesson thing. But it's a weird thing, which is like, this weird confidence, cockiness I have, which is, which, which is, helps me where when something goes wrong, I blame myself. Like, I'm like, I don't have excuses because I think I should have been able to do it. So I blame myself. So I learn from those mistakes and I'm like, I fucked that up. So how do I fix what I did wrong? So then the, the problem is all these entrepreneurs and they say, oh, because of this and because of that, how are you going to ever learn anything? Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It's like, well, yeah, I think people have like, people this. say don't make excuses. They're all about excuses, right? Like I don't, I'm just not an excuses person. You like, internalize I don't, it all. Well, yeah, yeah, it sucks, but I do. Yeah. <laughs> I pretty much. Well, yeah, and I think people have this like 
this false idea that being a leader means you know everything. And they feel like they don't want to let anyone know that they were wrong ever. We were talking about that on the way here, and me, it, myself it, and Mike. It, it yeah. kills, it just kills everything around you. You just, you can't, you can't grow that way, right? And no one knows everything. It's like, that's a, that's like, the, it's like, it's like kill your ego, right? Anything that blocks you from listening to anybody or being vulnerable, get rid of that. Well, that's why I think it's so important for people who are interested in being entrepreneurs to watch shows like yours, then to also watch Shark Tank, and then to also watch The Profit, and to go to listen to this other podcast, and to take it all in and figure out what you are from that, versus um, that's the entrepreneur I follow, I'm gonna be just like him, but, yeah. you're, but you're not yeah. him. You yeah. grew up differently, yeah. you're a different height, you look different, your mind thinks different, it doesn't, the, it doesn't work. The only thing that's gonna work is your formula yourself, your ingredients, that you take all this information and now you have to figure out what version are you. So I'm learning when I'm watching Shark Tank, but I'm not like, I've gotta do it like them. Yeah. I may do a thing like them, but not yeah. Yeah. follow their path, yeah. you know? Uh, exactly, but it's uh, it's yeah. The excuses thing is is just not part of what I'm doing. But you you brought up like, I just literally on the way here, I was talking to Mike about this, which was our boxes for my my cannabis brand has we're not done yet, and we're going live very soon. And that, but it's been a process for me. Yeah. But and it has been shitty, and there's been problems, and like. But I've, but it, but it's gonna be fucking amazing when it comes out because I learned along the way what was right, what was wrong, what were we doing. I'm learning it. Like I'm yeah, getting you know what, it. Though? I'm getting it. I'm getting it. And I think people, people relate to just honesty, right? Like people will support you more when you're like, yeah, dude, shit, this was hard. This was tied to work through this rather than like, yeah, I fucking kill it on everything. It's like we were talking one time about Cardi B. Yeah. Right, and the difference between Cardi B and Nicki Minaj, it's, it's, right? People, yeah. people relate to Cardi B a lot more than Nicki Minaj, and it's, she's so open about her life and her struggles. And do we see all this shit happening with uh, what's Offset. his name? Yeah. yeah, and it's like for some reason when you can, she's a phenomenal woman though. Like she is like, yeah. But to my point though, you relate, yeah, when you relate to somebody, you support somebody, right? Oh yeah, I mean it's a, it's it's a. But it's also completely different with today's culture, yeah. right? Because there's no real such thing as that vulnerability yeah. uh, 20 years ago, 15 years ago. There was, you just didn't have access to it, That's true. Yep. right? Yeah. So like, you, how do you find out about celebrities 10 years ago? People yeah. Magazine, yeah, yeah. there's no, there's no the, everything was meticulously done. So the older celebrities don't really understand the open nature of the culture. A few do, a J-Lo, and what is, J-Lo's 50-something, but people fuck with her because they just, they feel like they understand her because yeah. she understands the culture and what they, what, like, yeah. that access matters. Where, uh, Cardi's just the queen of it. Like, yeah. she is just, and there's a whole other thing with women, too, which is, like, uh, men in general don't share nearly as much as women do. Um, like, statistically, it's, like, a whole insane thing. How women share is, like, men don't do that at all, really. Um, uh, where, so picture Cardi, with Cardi, she's willing to share now publicly, so they all feel like they're friends with her. Yeah. Before showing that vulnerability was really difficult, it was just wasn't part of the game, it wasn't part of what you did. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. So I have, a, I have a couple of questions about popular demand. When you, um, when you started, what year are we talking? 2012. Okay, so 2012. 
And the, the e-commerce market was just kind of like getting going at that point. Well, the big difference is, and, and this is um, uh, really important to understand, there's, there's a couple big changes in commerce in the last 10 years. Number one is one of the ways Carmeloop really won when I was at Carmeloop was um, uh, comfort, comfortability and feeling uh, and trust, right? So what would happen is if you wanted to buy online a um, Crooks and Castles hoodie, you actually would, would much, much more likely buy it on Carmeloop than you would on their website because creating a great looking e-commerce site, having that whole experience, having the customer service 10 years ago was very difficult. So you would, and plus this is 10 years ago. So the people's, their mind is much more nervous putting in a credit card, doing all that stuff. Oh, I buy stuff at Carmeloop. Okay, I trust that, right? So yep. I'll buy it on there. What happened in that time over the last 10 years is Shopify came around. Um, you started to buy directly from these other brands, like their sites started to look better. Yep. Um, the whole process started, you know, brands started to put money into their website, everything started to come together. So what that would, that did is that deteriorated and you're still seeing it today from uh, PacSun or, uh, uh, you know, a finish line or whatever. They're all getting deteriorated because people are buying directly from um, the, the brands themselves. The brands, Plus, yeah. obviously, the, the elephant in the room, you know, the, the behemoth is, is um, Amazon. And that's a whole nother thing about how, like I was experiencing that today. I was buying a Christmas gift. Um, when will this come out? After Christmas? Yeah, perfect. Yep. So I was buying this thing that was on Shark Tank called The Comfy. Okay, now Lori, I believe, got involved and she is QVC. So I, for the first time ever, was buying from QVC, which by the way, when you choose a drop down, Mrs., Mr., whatever, it's all women for the first five things on that, which was wild, I've never experienced. So they clearly have a lot of women shopping on there. Anyways, my whole process on that sucked. I felt uncomfortable, I was like, because I buy so much stuff on Amazon, it's so, they've made it so easy. Jeff Bezos yeah. in this prime, brilliant because it's not a um it's just it's it's smooth it's so easy through prime right so those are some of the big changes that have happened in the past 10 years in e-commerce so when we, when popular demand was starting it was around that time people were they were willing to shop online with uh with small brands like they felt my site looked great I was like, oh, this looks normal. So when you say ass. you did 20 grand, a lot of that was direct. A lot no, of no, no, no. Almost, uh, almost all of it was retail. So you were pushing in the beginning, this, you were, were pushing through uh, retail. Boutique, okay. boutique retailers. Boutique retail. Yeah, boutique retailers, which that landscape's completely different now too because these were in malls, uh, the majority of them. The lands, it's just a whole other world now with uh, boutiques. And, and boutiques are also much less loyal than major retailers, uh, which you would think it's the inverse of that, but it's actually they're, they're much less loyal. Mm -hmm. They're, they're in a fight for their life every day to sell enough products to keep their store. So yeah. they will drop you. They will, they will, they want that next new fresh hot thing. That's also a differentiator for them between them and other, uh, and major retailers is that they always have that fresh new thing. So for us, we had a really good run for, with boutiques for about uh, three years. And, uh, then it became pretty difficult with boutiques. We weren't the new fresh thing that every. There was a new brand that came up six months ago. And was that big for you being that all these uh, celebrities were repping your stuff and then it, it kind of, I'm guessing like 2015, 16, uh, well you said three years, so it started to go a lot more direct. So your business went mainly retail. No, it went more on uh, major retailers. Major so we retailers. dealt with uh, uh, Foot Action, 
we're still in foot action. Zoomies, um, uh, a, a store on the East Coast that's uh, in the Midwest a little bit that's called Downtown Locker Room, uh, a couple others too. So we were dealing with some bigger retailers at the time. Um, it's just, it's easier business in a lot of ways. Um, if they're ordering, uh, call it uh, 1,200 units of something, uh, my relationship with my printer, the manufacturer is essentially making the product, is a lot better than when I'm ordering 72 of this. Can I get 100 of this? Can I? That, that's what you got to do for boutiques, unless you're crazy popping off. You, it's, it's, it's a tougher game. It's just a lot easier with the bigger retailers. So as far as today right now, what, would, what percentage is e-commerce versus retailers at this point? It's probably about 50-50. Oh, but, really? Yeah, but with popular demand, we're seven years into a clothing brand. And don't yeah. get me wrong, there's a lot of brands out there that you guys are super aware of that have been around 10 years, 15, 30, 50. But on average, that's, that, those are more anomalies. You know, Seven years is um, a long time. Actually. Long time. Yeah. And so for us, we're kind of pivoting right now with the brand where we're, um, I'm very fortunate that it has a certain level of respect and cachet that I can do different things. So um, we have some unique partnerships we're working on to basically uh, create Popular Demand 2.0. It'll just be, it'll still be, still based off that initial concept of being loud and colorful and, and um, uh, our tagline won't change from no apologies. That is what it is because that's what we're all about. But beyond that, visually, like the way the product looks, the way aesthetically certain things look, we're going we're gonna to change it up a little bit um, just because I can. Like at this point, this far in, it's like I, I'm ready to do something a little bit different with it. Plus with my new business coming, I'm like, let's just have some fun. Let's just try something new. Before we talk about the new business, just because you made the point of seven years being a long time for a clothing business, why what's so yeah. hard about clothing why is it such a grind for people that well, don't know or want to get into well, it what's tough but they do clothing? know that's the thing is they they do know as a consumer because <laughs> take the next guy let's assume he's 27 years old let's assume he's 25. take that guy and say hey go pull out your phone or whatever go on your facebook and look at what you were wearing five years ago. And they're, oh, oh, I was, that was crazy. I was wearing these baggy this, like, I can't believe, I used to only wear Carhartt, whatever it is, five years ago, you already know the answer nine times out of 10, probably 99 yeah. out of 100, they look pretty different than they did before. I look different and I own a clothing brand and I wear most of my own stuff and I still look different. I was wearing mediums and now I wear almost XL everything. So my point is, Think about, if you look at it from a consumer standpoint, by its nature, minus if you're a dad, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking about you like a dad, I mean like a dad dad, you're yeah. six, you know, 55, your style may not change immensely, uh, you know, but they're also buying the classic brands that have been around 50 years or whatever it is, a polo or something like that. But if you're a person that cares so much about style that you wanna start a clothing brand, then you have to recognize that, it, that, that from an entrepreneurial standpoint, it is not the best business to go into. It's probably one of the worst. And that isn't me. Um, I think it's wonderful if people want to do it, just your expectation should be realistic of what it is. It may end up being something that you and a buddy do, and you may make a nice living, and you may make 50 grand in a year and not have to work for the man or whatever it is. That could be great. But if you want to be an entrepreneur and you're listening to your podcast or you're listening to 
Gary V or you're listening to whoever, right? And you want to be that next entrepreneur. Just understand everybody's telling you how difficult it is to be an entrepreneur. Just understand now when you get into the apparel category, it's even harder. you just made that a fucking lot yeah. harder for two reasons. Number one, you made it diff more difficult because of just the nature of getting in the clothing game. People have to care about you to buy the product. Like think about the difference between buying a black t-shirt that has a Nike swoosh on it and a black t-shirt. It's a different, I, well, that's years and years and Michael Jordan campaigns and Andre Agassi campaigns and LeBron doing it and skateboarders. That's all in that little swoosh there yeah. versus that black shirt. It's a black shirt. So my point is that there, it is tough to get it, to get people to care about you then, but that this, this is the crazy part. Nice. They care about me, but for how long? Yeah. That's the part because by its nature, minus certain staple companies that that aren't going anywhere, and there are a few that get into becoming staple companies today, and they're like you know, I mean, Supreme is obviously in a phenomenal. Uh, I'm not a big like I don't follow it; it's not my thing, but it's a phenomenal brand and company, and an anomaly. It's yeah. not. Do you, I could tell you, I could, it would take probably two hands, maybe four to count how many people with money have asked me, can you create the next Supreme? And yeah. I let them know that's a fucking stupid question. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, I'm like, you don't understand. That's not a, it's not a business model. That's yeah. not, they didn't set yeah. out to be that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it is, they navigated it exceptionally well. They made phenomenal decisions. But it's not what they started out. I mean, worse. you know, what is a skateboard? Well, yeah, company. what's even worse? It's a than, skateboarding what's company. What's worse than that is when people give you like a deck of a of a company they're starting, oh, Jesus. and they base all their their revenues or or potential off Supreme. You're like, guys, <laughs> you can't be that. None of us can be you know, that. Why story? are you saying your startup can be that? None of us can be that. Super weird anomaly. When I, I mean, an analogy. When I was a kid. This one, uh, uh, my, my, I had a friend named Charlie, and his mom made the best chocolate chip cookies. And I, uh, I can remember to this day what they taste like. Still the best cookies I've ever had in my life. I was six years old. My, my mom got the recipe from her. Nah. Totally. Not the cookies. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. She, she'll even bring that up. She'll yeah. like, I got that recipe <laughs> yeah. didn't come out and you same. didn't like them. Because there's something, there's something there that you can't repeat certain things. So, so the, 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 you know, my, my point with it from a clothing brand standpoint is that just understand by its nature, somebody who thought you were cool in 2018, in 2020, 2021, you just may not be their thing anymore. But I'll tell you that I, there are, I've used, not, not everybody's the exact same way by any means, but I've chewed the same gum since I was in high school and used the exact same chapstick since I was in high school. And if Kanye West, you know, or Pharrell or Aesop Rocky uses a different gum, I don't care. It has nothing to do with that. But if they wear a different thing, not me personally, but that person, oh, Kanye's wearing uh, short shorts now? Uh, Oh, short shorts are the cool thing. All right, I'll get some short shorts. Who's the company to buy them from? So it's a different, it's a different world. It's a different yeah. thing. Yeah. And then there's this weird thing where people think like, you know, if I get, oh, I, I sent all this product to Gucci Mane. I know his best friend. I think he's going to wear a shirt. And once Gucci puts his shirt on his Instagram, 
pop off. I'm done. No, that's oh, not yeah. it at all. Especially today. Yeah, it was a little bit today. at one point that when there was like Yo MTV raps and there was like music videos because you could only access so much information. So if you were watching, you know, the Wu-Tang video, you watched it 50 times, like what's that brand? But today it's sensory overload. You're getting stuff 24 yeah, so seven. If Gucci wears it 12 times in the next three months, it's like, oh, what is this brand he's wearing? And then you may get some of Finn, but he may not even be a, a style tastemaker. And I'm just using it as an example. So it's, it's, a, it's a weird, like, just to kind of, since I know you, you're going to transition to my cannabis things and some of the other things I'm doing, I have no uh, new. <laughs> like, like, and run the interview for us. Like, I'm My only point of getting that is I got no desire to do another clothing brand anytime soon. Gotcha. Unless it is for fun. If yeah. it's for fun, yeah. I may do, you know, if it's like, oh, this would be dope if I just do this thing. Like, yeah, yeah I may do that. I, you know, just for me, what I'd want to wear. But beyond that, it's not a model, it's not a business model I like. So is there something, I know the answer to this because I, I actually. You've watched Personally it, feel it too. You've watched a lot in the skate world. Oh, Imagine being like a dope like, oh, independent yeah. skate brand and then Nike's like, we kind of want to do this now. That's fucking wild. Oh yeah. I was I working mean, we for, a, I worked too. for a, We feel it as pros too, right? Oh, You're like, oh shit, I'm hot right now. And then like three years later, there's the new kid. And then the new kid, you know, I, dude, I totally get a trend. Because you don't, you, if you were hot to some kid's brother, they kind of want their own thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, 100%. They don't want is their there, older brother's guy. They want the new guy. Is there something refreshing in being in a new industry where there's not such a short lifespan or cycle? Or it's not so dependent on trends like with Z Natural? See, this transition right there. Is that the transition? <laughs> that was the transition. transition. The reason I say that is because I died. 100%. With and my product is actually even more built on that. My product is a product that puts you to sleep. And because I've done an interview or two and I have a nice little pocket here, I brought what my pen looks like, even though this is a podcast, so people at home that are listening, you can't see it. No, we but have a video. Our pen. They can see but it. there's a video too on YouTube. Um, but um, the concept of Z Natural is I was struggling sleeping. Um, I've always, I've wanted to get in the cannabis space a little bit, like I was intrigued by it, but I didn't really smoke. Uh, the last time I had smoked was probably in college. Um, not the reason I quit, but it's probably not the reason I quit college, but probably in college. Hadn't smoked in a long time, um, struggling sleeping. I got a lot, obviously, as you guys can probably tell, going on in my head. And, uh, and one of my employees was like, you should, uh, you should smoke before you go to bed. She was literally joking. And I was like, I'll try it. Fuck it. Why not? I don't, I don't care. Yeah, sure. I'll try it. So I was like, well, if I'm going to do it, let's do it. I'll, I'll go to a dispensary. And initially she was going to go, but she got, she would always get weed from like other people. So she actually didn't even have her med card at the time. This was when it was, you had to have a med card uh, before it was fully legal. Uh, and uh, I was like, oh, I'll just go. So I got a med card. And uh, the first thing you understand, especially then, it's changing a lot now, is a year and a half ago, you pretty much, you had waiting rooms and you had big metal doors. Um, there's still some of that out there because it's dealing with a lot of cash and uh, it was still this gray area business. So I'm walking through a metal door getting literally buzzed in. And this is a weird thing, right? Because as growing up, you are told cannabis is a drug. And what are other drugs? Other drugs are heroin, cocaine. These are some fucking wild drugs. Cannabis is not that, but it's in there. So. 
what I've talked to people a lot about is cannabis is a weird industry because, or it's going to be a weird cultural phenomenon going on right now because you have to unwind a lot. When you hear about Bitcoin for the first time or crypto, you are learning something from a zero, from your, you're at a base level. You're learning everything. Nobody told you growing up crypto is scary as shit. And the second you put your money into it, your whole life is ruined. So you can. I know exactly what it. you're talking. I did yesterday. Cannabis, I, you got unwind. You, you I, I saw a billboard in downtown, and it hit me like how much different society is because I looked at the billboard. And it's like it marijuana the delivered. I was like, uh, Ease. I'm talking whoa. to them. Hopefully, they will be one of our first partners. That's Ease. Yeah, they're phenomenal. They have billboards everywhere. I thought you were talking about the one on Hollywood with the chick. With the chick, yeah. Nice grass. <laughs> uh, that's Dan Blazarians, and oh, which will be his? a very interesting. It'll be a very interesting, um, uh, what's the word I'm trying to use? Uh, basically, it'll be an interesting study in launching a cannabis brand because they are going hardcore with billboards everywhere. Mm. And let's see if it connects. Yeah. I am not sure. I'm very happy they're doing it because I want to see how effective it is. And I'm not sure how well it's going to connect yet. But you saw it and, you, and they're everywhere. Yeah. Uh, but that's Blazarians that he did with a company called Select. I didn't but, realize that was his. Yeah. And so, it's called Inferno or something? It's called like Ignite. Ignite. The, the unwinding though, you're right. Yeah, well, Gary totally V right. said it uh, very well in an event I was at um, uh, when he was speaking. And he said, Nancy Reagan was a great fucking marketer. And that's very true. Just say no. Just say no. That was her big thing. Right? And she taught everybody in the 80s and then that this is your this is your brain on drugs egg commercial from I the nineties. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a lot unwinding. So I'm walking in a dispensary. My heart and so your heart's beating, right? You're like, this is weird. This is the first time I've ever done anything like this, and forever I was told this is bad for you. So I walk in and, and I'm like nervous, and I go, uh, I, I'm here. Do you have anything that'll help me sleep? And their answer was, yeah. And they were very nice people. And they said, we've got this Indica pre-roll. We have this oil. It's in a cartridge. We have this, uh, they, they named a bunch of things. I'm like, yeah, I don't know what any of that means. I was like, I just want to sleep. And, I, and so my uncomfortableness, uh, if that's even a word, became, it, it got worse. It didn't get better because I was like, holy shit, I don't even know what I'm having here. Like, what should I use? And they didn't have definitive answers. And so uh, they talk, oh, flower. That's a big word in cannabis. When so flower, I flower is what I give my mom. I want flower. Well, flower is weed. But I didn't know any of these things. So uh, I'm I got- I'm learning as I hear. What? I, I don't, yeah, I'm learning as yeah, you Yeah, flower is cannabis. Yeah. So I got, I got, um, I, I got uh, a little pen. Uh, it helped me a little bit. Uh, it did put me to sleep to a degree. Uh, THC will do that, the, the, the whole thing. And, and so I, uh, I tried it and I was like, this is cool. This will put me to sleep. I'll try it. But it wasn't, I don't think it was perfect. It wasn't designed for sleep. It was just a weed pen. So uh, I went, to, I was like, this is interesting. So I used that. I went to another dispensary just to try it out when I was used up. And I had pretty much the exact same experience. So I was like, this is interesting. So I go, and then I started asking the dispensaries, does anybody ask you about sleep? And they were like, oh yeah, yeah. It's probably like the most asked question or second most after pain or stress. I'm like, huh, and this is, this is the thing. This is what happens. But the problem is people running these dispensaries or creating cannabis brands are people who smoke. So if they want something that'll help them sleep, 
they know how to figure that out. This is what they do. They smoke. They understand what helps them. The average person that's either coming to it for the first time or coming yeah. back to it, they don't need any of that stuff. They just want something that makes them feel comfortable. So when you walk into a CVS and you say, oh, I, need, I have a cold. Where do I get the cold medicine? Oh, it's aisle 11. You walk in there and you look at all this nice looking product. They're drugs, but you look at all this nice looking product. Yeah, that's the thing I need. Cool. It looks professional. You get it. And you feel comfortable with the product. You buy a CVS, CVS rep company, it feels good. We, it's all, none of those things go in cannabis. Like no. we, there's no CVS. There's no like brand you recognize. There's no, none of this. And now they're offering you something that doesn't even say it's going to help you with what you need help with. So uh, now there's some, a few things for like relief and stuff out there, but in general, there's, there's a few sleep items, but the difference is what I'm doing is I'm creating a sleep brand. So what we are, I'm launching a sleep brand, hopefully within about 30 to 45 days, we'll be actually on shelves. But the difference is we are a sleep company. Okay, mm-hmm. we are as much like Casper mattresses as we are like Dan Blazarian's Ignite. Because we, yes, the way that we are helping you put to sleep is cannabis and the rest of our formulation, which includes mango, lavender, chamomile, other elements to help you put, put you to sleep. But we are a sleep brand. So our Instagram will have quotes about sleep, facts about sleep, our, our, our blog will talk about sleep. We'll pull in articles about the importance of sleep. It's We're not going to be company. about how, how high you get from this weed. Uh, no, no, not at all. So going back to what you were asking me, why I'm so excited about this is because just think about it. You're struggling with sleeping. Oh, and the other big thing I've had marketing company. I've had marketing, um, initiatives for years without even starting a company because you just Google the word, uh, Ambien. And what comes after that in Google when you're, you know, preset the things that come up, um, the suggestions is going to say, oh, hospital visits, uh, overdose, over, ambient overdoses, ambient addiction. Ambient is a scary fucking drug. Like it's it just scary, is. Yeah. It's a drug. It's so scary. So now here's your proposition at 55 years old or at 25 years old or whatever age you are, you're a college student or you're a attorney and you're like, I can't sleep at night. This sucks. Well, how do you feel the next day? You feel awful. How do I go to sleep? Well, I could go get Tylenol PM. Well, that's going to leave me groggy in the morning. Always does. Uh, Well, I could try this Ambien thing. And then you start Googling and you're like, holy, (laughs) what? So what's your proposition? So that was mine. And I said, I'm going to use cannabis. It's worked for a year and a half for me now, every night before I go to bed. Much better now with my own formulation. Not not that I created it, but the one we created. So... To answer your question, why I'm so excited is once I put you to sleep with this pen, you're not going to go back and say, what's that next sleep pen I can get? You're going to go, I I need the Z one. That's the one that puts me to sleep. I need, oh, you don't have Z? Okay, I'll go to the next dispensary. I'm creating a product that you're going to want every night to help you sleep. Um, And I'm going to provide sleep to people. So you're not going to go back and ask for that next thing. Because now you may, if you're getting ignite and, and they could have a hundred million dollar company six months from now, I'm not, there's nothing negative about what they're doing, but you, if ignite makes you feel high in like a special way, you may go get back. You'll definitely go back and get some ignite, but you may be like, what else you got for me? Like, what else is this cool next new brand? If I'm putting you to sleep every night, like I switched from, uh, this, I was, I use now disposable contact lenses until I get LASIK and, uh, there's a company called Hubble and they, they, uh, subscription service for my disposable lenses. I was paying 60 bucks a month and Hubble offered it for 30 bucks. 
Oh, cool. I'll try that out. Oh, the lenses feel great. Cool. 30 bucks every month. I, I'm not going to go look for my next Hubble. Like that is what it is. Unless somebody comes with a much better price. So that's why I'm so excited about this. If I'm providing you sleep every night, you're going to keep buying it. If Kanye West says it's cool or not, I don't give a fuck. They're going to keep buying it. Yeah, it's sleep. It. Yeah. That's you amazing. I mean? That's a All good right. feeling, huh? So, Hopefully. If it works, that's what entrepreneurship is about, right? Where's the, the distribution going to be? Yeah, so what's so interesting about cannabis, and I don't want to, I'm, I'm going to state a fact that, I, that I've heard or that I've read. So I can't guarantee because I haven't cross-checked it. But basically in this county, in Los Angeles County, it will be a bigger cannabis market than all of Northern Cali, than every state, and then in Canada. I'm not saying combined, but this will be... Los Angeles County will be bigger than Canada. Los Angeles County will be bigger than Massachusetts. So we're here. It's great. It's an amazing place to be, California, Los Angeles. So um, we are going to start with uh, about 10 to 15 of the best dispensaries in, the, in LA. Probably one in San Diego, probably one in the Bay. Um, and get our feet wet with that. We're going to go super heavy with press. I already have a Forbes article about it when I announced it, but that was all the press I wanted to do because now we wanted, when the press came out, for you to be able to go buy the product. Uh, and the reason I'm going super heavy with press, uh, with this especially, is because you can't advertise on Instagram, on Facebook, yeah, that's on Google. Right. That's right. So for you to find out about me, I can put a tremendous amount of work into my Instagram, but just, and I will, but I'm also, that every hour that's put into that is a risk because uh, they'll shut you down like this. If yeah. some company doesn't like me and they, they could complain about me like a competitor, not as the competitor, the, the cousin do it or whatever, no, they can get me yeah, shut down. In terms of service, so there is no, uh, well, or for just having an account. Oh, really? Oh yeah, they'll shut me, they could shut me down 100%. Now, whether it's an algorithm or whether it's based, where they're trying to find weed brands or whether it's based on somebody complaining, either way, they can shut me down. So I gotta do a lot of press and spread the words, spread the word some of the old fashioned ways. I need you to use it and then for you to tell your buddy about it. And that especially too, doing a lot of work with the dispensaries, a tremendous amount building those relationships. That's where we're starting to 10 to 15. Uh, we already have a list of, I think, 75 of some of the best in the state that already want it. But, um, and that's before, like, us even trying. It's kind of cool going old school on them. What's really great about it is challenging yourself. So now that I've heard this idea, I knew you were doing it. Mikey had shared it with me. This is a really, really good idea. It's a really exciting idea because sleep, sleep is something I actually struggle with. So... I'm stoked on this. It sounds rad. We really consider it like a bridge product. Um, we, I, I really think that um, where we're, a lot of people are missing it in the cannabis space, and, and there's a, tons of people doing really, really amazing things. But I think where some of it's getting missed is that there's going to be a, everybody's talking about how this is going to be like the next new big industry, right? Like it's going to be billions and billions. Who do you think is going to be buying this stuff, right? It's going to be people coming back to cannabis or new people. I mean, how are you going to get so big? I mean, this stoners are already buying a lot of stuff. Yeah. We got we got a little horn back here. I'm not sure if the people in the <laughs> Dude, pod, not sure if they train? can hear it. Holy but crap. look, that train is. They are not joking. We're, we're right in downtown LA, so. And I didn't notice behind me. There's a light that says Two Bit Circus. What's going on over there? 
Well, Mike, we're gonna make a stopover at Two Bit Circus. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's. Talk so the point I was trying to make is just that the, that the the future of cannabis is gonna be the normalization and people coming into it that haven't used it or consider or, or haven't used it for twenty years or whatever it is. What products are they gonna buy? So they are there are some cool brands out there that would fit for that, but there's not a ton of them and we really feel that this is what I'm calling a bridge product which are people that are coming back to cannabis or have never used it before. Uh, I think we'll get some stoners for lack of better term that'll use our product too. They've actually really some have tested it and really love it but in general that's our customer. Awesome let's uh we're, we're getting towards the end so I want to talk about your you and Ben your brother are do filmed a pilot for a series. Tell yeah. us about that. I want it just to be all about me, but he insisted he's a part <laughs> no of it. Yeah. I'm that, like, man. bro, come on. You really, I, I basically he's hanging on my coattails. Um, no, just joking. <laughs> we, uh, you know, we, we were a big fan of some of these business-based shows. Uh, we've watched a lot of them. Um, and uh, we, we but what we noticed is that there's like, uh, they're, they're very much on the business side, but, but also at the same time, I mean, your podcast is a great example. There's so many young people that, that um, want to learn about business, and they may not totally relate to everything that's out there today. So for us, where our area of expertise is, coming from different angles, but our area of expertise is uh, brands. Ben obviously works with some of the biggest brands in the world as a creative agency, and I've started uh, successful brands. So the, the combination of the two things says to me, we should be, we should, we should try to go out there, you know, for us, Ben and I, and we're, we're, as you hopefully can tell a little bit from the podcast, we're pretty comfortable on camera. Yeah. And so Ben and I said, uh, we should do a show. So. Uh, we do it in an, we, we went out there and we, we sat with different production companies. We said, here's what we bring to the table and here's what we are. Would you like to partner up really? It's really more of like, it was really like finding the right partner that we feel understood us. And we've considered doing a show for a couple of years now and just none of the guys we met with really made a ton of sense. Uh, we met with this one guy uh, who, who uh, somebody connected me with and his name is Doug, and he's like, I love this. I was like, oh, okay, cool. He's like, I'm gonna bring this to uh, one of uh, my friends. They'll be perfect for this. They have an incredible production company. All right, let's do it. They came by our office. They're like, we love it, we get it. Let's try to do it. So long story short, the show's called Brand Brothers. We're in a unique uh, position right now where we've done our sizzle reel. Uh, we have tons and tons of content uh, from both Popular Demand as well as my brother's creative agency. So the cool part about a sizzle reel with us is they can fill it with tons of B-roll of our content, then put us on camera and package it all up. That's what they did. We, it's a real collaborative effort because they got a lot out of us. We, they angled it in a, in a unique way. And uh, we started pitching it out there. They started pitching it to uh, some really prominent um, uh, networks um, that have shown interest. And so it's been super encouraging. But with television, I've been down this road once before, uh, actually a couple times, but once specifically with uh, Popular Demand Show. We are working on a show about the Popular Demand lifestyle that was supposed to be on Spike. And it got very close to being on Spike. And then Spike decided we're going to become Paramount and try to compete with A&E and HBO. So we don't do those types of shows anymore when we are pretty far along. 
so that died. So when it comes to doing shows, uh, I'm comfortable, put us in front of a camera, let's make something cool. And if we can get a show going, I know we'll kill it. So right now we're, we're at the stage where we've done the sizzle, we know what we want the show to be all about, which is called Brand Brothers. And what we would do is we go out there and we take a company. It's a little different than like other shows, like a, like a bar rescue or a profit. Or our version is we're not like fixing your whole business. We're just trying to figure out from a brand and a storytelling perspective, where is the disconnect here? We'd much prefer to work with some companies that have something special on their hands but nobody really knows about them or what's going on there versus like, they're a train wreck, let me fix you. We wanna find a brand that's kinda of got some cool things going on, but it's like, man, you are not explaining this well, you're not storytelling well, you're not, your, your marketing's awful, your socials are awful. We revamped that for them and that's the collaborative thing. So Brand Brothers would be, uh, each episode would be a new company that we work with and we go in there and revamp uh, how mm. they're storytelling their brand, how they're messaging their brand. Yeah, yeah and, I love uh, it. That, so, that's a good format. Like the, uh, I know it's totally different, but like the, I'm super into the HGTV. My girlfriend watches them, so I'll watch oh, those cool. those shows where each show is a new project. Yeah, and your your concept I think is amazing for Thank learning you. and entrepreneurs. Thank you. I would, I'll, I'll watch it. Yeah, it's gonna, I'll and we'll, it we'll, sure. we'll be, we'll touch on business stuff, obviously, because it'd be impossible not to. But that won't, we won't go do deep dives into For that. sure. It's not really about Branding. that. It'll be more about what are, what's everybody seeing? You know, not, what's under the hood matters to a degree, but actually this show is more what is everybody actually seeing out there about you, both visually when it comes to what you're posting on your socials, what's on YouTube, how are you messaging it? What is the, what's your caption that you're writing? Why'd you post this on story today? All that stuff. And, I think people, um, it's not hard, you know, if somebody has a phenomenal sushi restaurant or an amazing jewelry company, that doesn't mean they have an understanding of how to market or brand that. Dude, no. Yeah. But I they could be you. amazing at what they do. Yeah. But how do you package that up and actually deliver it to somebody in consumable bites? And a lot of people don't really understand that portion of the business and they just assume, well, hey, I thought it was, uh, you know, it was cool today to post on my story, my dog. You know, was, why'd you post your, so your dog in your story? I don't know, he's really cute. I think it's fun. What the fuck's that have to do with your jewelry company? How's that continuing the story? And maybe it does. Maybe he's the mascot of the jewelry company. But either way, we got to figure out why are you posting what you're posting? Why are you messaging it the way that you're messaging it? So that's what the show's all about. Ben and I have a unique dynamic, obviously, being brothers. Um, I would assume most do. We have a, a great relationship. But we're very different people. Uh, so it, I think it would make for a good show. And we're very fortunate that one of the biggest networks in the world said, we love you guys. Uh, tell us more about the show. And that was a good starting point. So we hope we can make something happen. But if we don't, it's entrepreneurship, it's business. Yep. Yeah. That's how it goes. Awesome. And, awesome. and before I forget, check out, we always plug your stuff at the end, but yeah. check out Blake Ricciardi, at Blake Ricciardi, right? Yeah, that's my Insta. And then check Ben's. I love it. Like, I always like, when I see your stuff pop up, I'll look at Ben's because you're both branded so well. Yeah, so what we've changed a little bit about it is actually Ben and I, it sounds kind of crazy, but I am the designer. So I've start, I did a lot of graphics um, for mine. And Ben was doing his own graphics with his own team. And, uh, and, uh, and I said, and he'd always come, hey, what do you think of this? And I was like, why don't we do them together? Why don't we make our brand start 
merging a little bit. So we use, they're very similar, but he uses red, I use black and yellow. And like, we want to start feeling, we actually don't post each other a lot on our own things, which we should start doing more of. But uh, yeah, it's, but there's a reason I want, I mean, it's, there's, I'm tr I know that you're, that you or anybody else is, is making a judgment on what we are based on what is out there. So the, and the term I'd like to use, the, the, um, a friend of mine told me years and years ago that I think is super important to understand for social and for a lot of other things in your life from a business standpoint is edit and amplify. You know, it's not about putting everything out there. There's a, to say no to something, to, to decide this wasn't the right, like this isn't the right thing to post on my social because it doesn't play into the story. It's all, you have to decide what the story of your personal brand is and you have to hit beats consistently like you would as a book that you're reading. The best way I look at things like Instagram story uh, or even your, your feed uh, or any messaging you put out there, uh, especially for a brand. Personal brand's a little different because you dive a little deeper into your personal life, but for a clothing brand or any sort of company out there is um, every post should feel like a continuation of a story. And um, it could be a paragraph in a story, it could be a sentence in a story, it could be a chapter in a story, whatever it is. Um, each one's gonna have a little different weight. But if all of a sudden you're reading a book and uh, a woman's reading a romance novel and two-thirds of the way into it, all of a sudden it's some horror slasher and somebody's in their supernatural shit. You're like, this wasn't the book I was reading. I don't, there's no super, I don't understand it. It's a good point. So you have to keep, that you're reading a book for, you're, you're consuming it for a reason. You, you have to decide what your story is. And that's what I mean by edit and amplify. Some things just won't go on it. Some mm -hmm. things you have to decide yeah, you what you are yeah, really because good, yeah. people are consuming you over, call it 10 Instagram posts yep. uh, on a story day, maybe call it six. They're, they're making assessments of you. Funny story, because I know we don't have a ton of time. This was prior Instagram story, this was Snapchat. And uh, I, uh, I get a message from a kid. You obviously get a message all the time from people. Can I work for you? I want to work for you. I want to work for you. Uh, yeah, yeah, why do you want to work for us? Bro. You guys are getting lit every day in that office. You guys, like, <laughs> I know you're working hard, but you're partying half the time. You got models there every day. You got, like, who wouldn't want to work in that environment? That was, like, yeah, because that's what we're showing you. That wasn't inauthentic. It just was edited and amplified. I'm not do you want me to sit there? We're there for 10 hours. Do you want me to sit there and do a time lapse and show you everybody working hard on their computer? Yeah. No, I'm showing you what I want you to see. I'm telling you the story I want you to have, but that's the perfect thing. He took that inside. <laughs> We're just partying 24. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> that's amazing. there's no doubt. If you're yeah. working at a corporate office, they're usually not taking shots any day. Yeah. And we yeah. may do it one day, but the day we're doing it, Oh, you're going to see it and you're going to know it. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like, yeah. it's, that. but that's what they're consuming, what you're giving to them. And people don't, they think they're posting for themselves and that's fine. You post for yourself and you're a personal person. But if you're a business or if you want somebody to assume you're something, then uh, yeah. tell the story the way you want it to be told. Uh, that was a really good analogy, man. I, I actually really like that. I need to that's work on going that. on Instagram, man. That was a good one. <laughs> I, need to, I need to work on that. All right, well, let's, uh, Blake, thank you so much. Oh, it was um, a pleasure. Where We're can excited. people find you? Before you, 
I'm excited for everything you're doing. Thank it's you. Really yeah, awesome. man. It's, thank you. Just yeah. to, just Hearing to have, invite me on the show is an honor. Yeah, and it's, I, it's just, it's, I look at it as support for what I'm doing Absolutely. and I appreciate awesome. that substantially. Yeah, you know, it means a lot to me. Good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, great else? new studio too. Yeah. Well, ish, right? Yeah. You're almost yeah. in We're your in brand transition. new, but basically it's yeah. very close. Yeah. yeah. It's great in here. Cool vibes. Awesome, dude. Well, let's, let's plug all your, uh, your products. Yeah, so, yeah. Really super simple. Blake Richarding on Instagram, like you said. Um, fortunately for us, if you type into Google, popular demand, we're like the first everything, like first five or six, our Instagram, our, our, uh, our website, all that stuff. And that's really easy. And same deal with ZZZ Natural. It's, we have all the handles as well as uh, our website, ZZZ Natural. So nice. Google it and we're just there. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. All right, Blake. Thanks again. And uh, check out Blake. His stuff is rad. Definitely check him out on Instagram. I, I love your account, man. I really do. Thank you. So, all right. Thank that's you. a wrap. Thank Appreciate you, Appreciate it. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate you coming out.